Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. And today on the Full Voice Podcast, episode 131, I'm going to be sharing my super engaging online teaching strategies that have been a hit with my students of all ages. Dr. Heather Nelson is giving us a refresher course on the TA muscles. The National Association of Teachers of Singing is hard at work sharing essential COVID-19 resources so you can hashtag fight the fatigue. And we are continuing our business mini-series with the wonderful Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. This is part four and we are talking about business planning online teaching pedagogy, anatomy, resources, and business basics right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello and welcome and thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to check in to the Full Voice Podcast. I have a very uh, fun and informative show for you today. Um, Before we get started, I just want to um, send virtual hugs to all my friends and colleagues all over the globe. I hope you are keeping well and I hope you are keeping safe. Uh, If you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it is November and uh, as predicted, as expected, we are seeing seeing a rapid climb in our COVID numbers here in Ontario, Canada. And slowly, but well, not slowly, but surely, (laughs) we're heading back towards uh, more restrictions. And of course, we're probably looking at a lockdown. In fact, today on the news, I think our education minister is going to be sharing with us whether or not (laughs) we're going to have an extra long Christmas break this year. I, uh, I know that this is challenging times. And I know that uh, we're all managing so much, but I I have a lot of strategies. Uh, and I don't know if you can hear that, but the neighbor next door to the office uh, here has found the most noisiest reciprocating saw and is now doing home renovations. Anyhow, um, uh, if you're listening to this at time, uh, uh, I know that... Um, I know that it's it's a very challenging time. We have been challenged out of our comfort zones. We have had to pivot. We've had to re uh, reestablish our studios in a different w- format, in a different uh, platforms. And I know some teachers are doing really well and are thriving. And I know some of you are really struggling. And uh, I want I want you to know that um, we're working really hard here at Full Voice, um, making our resources more accessible on as digital products. Um, and I know in the Voice Teachers for Young Singers Facebook forum, there's a lot of great conversations, a lot of great threads about keeping students engaged, about new resources. There's just so much going on. There is a community that is rallying. And today on the podcast, um, I'm going to be sharing some of my go-to online teaching strategies that are really working. My, my students are having fun. I am seeing, um, I am seeing progress and, and it's slower. Yes, but, uh, I'm really happy to share the things that are working for me and my students. And, um, we also have some wonderful information from the National Association of Teachers of Singing. They have been 
completely 100% engaged in supporting the singing industry. And I am proud to be a member. Um, And right now is the uh, membership renewal time. So if you uh, are thinking of uh, joining Nats, I can't recommend it enough. I think that um, in the light of this pandemic, they have been absolutely incredible. Shout out to uh, Alan Henderson and everyone in the executive at Nats and of course the community of Nats. And we'll be uh, learning a little bit more about their fight the fatigue campaign that's just starting. But I am excited to share some really fun activities. And for those of you who might be teaching uh, back in person, um, these would work. They can be adapted to either online or in-person lessons. I hope you'll check it out. Online lessons. Online lessons are now a thing. (laughs) They will be a thing for quite some time. And uh, I, uh, I know that um, a lot of my, my colleagues, because if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, many of us are seeing our winter months now and the COVID numbers are rising. And if you were fortunate enough to go back to a face-to-face uh, lesson, you may find yourself having to go back to online lessons. So um, we uh, we got to stay safe. We have to stay vigilant. I, I'm, I'm excited. I have to say there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, the news of a vaccine and a rollout of a vaccine is coming. Um, when that happens, who knows? Um, but, uh, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel. But in the meantime, I am dedicated in becoming a a, hmm, what am I going to call my, oh, an online lesson ninja. And I have to say over the last few months, I have discovered quite a few fantastic warm-ups and um, strategies for working with my students online. And I want to share them with you today. So if you've been teaching online for a while and you just need some new ideas, I hope you'll take advantage of these. I hope you'll give them a try. Now, before I start, full disclosure, I am still mourning and grieving and I miss my students desperately. I've had really good lessons, online lessons, and I've had not really good online lessons. And um, I I just want everyone to know that you're, you're going to have good days, you're going to have great days, and you're going to have lessons just like you would in face-to-face where things aren't as productive as you would like, or you're going to have students that are low energy and all of that stuff is is going to happen. Um, be kind to yourself, please. We are all struggling. We are all having good and bad days. And I, uh, I, I, I send a virtual hug out to everybody. Please uh, check out some of these these strategies. I hope that they will work for you, and I hope they will make teaching online fun and easy. So let's get started. So first of all, when my students come in, I always do like a setup check in. And I always like to make sure they are in their what I like to call their singing lesson space. This is challenging as we are being invited into homes. Uh, One of the biggest takeaways of COVID is just how ill prepared my students are 
in setting up their spaces at home. So one of the benefits of online lessons has been for me in my studio, even some of my adults, is getting them set up, helping them use technology, helping them um, become more independent with finding their music and having their tools. A lot of my singers literally were dropped off at my studio where I basically spoon fed them their music, their exercises and everything. And they didn't have that going on at home. So if there's one of the things that I think has been a positive from going to online lessons is I get a pretty clear picture window about how things are happening and I'm happy in a respectful way, in a mindful way. Remember when we're being invited into people's homes, that is very intimate and we do need to be respectful. Um, But I'm I've been very uh, helpful at helping my students get into more productive routines in their space. And I would also like to say that it became very obvious for me that some of my students were never comfortable singing at home, which explained the slower progress that I was seeing, which explained some of the lengthy uh, amount of time it took them to learn some repertoire perhaps and I think being online has helped me help them to find more productivity and to be set up and using their spaces and their time more efficiently. So we get into the Zoom, I welcome them, I always ask them how they're doing. I really like to just have them sing any song, any song they wish, even if they're singing along with one of their favorite singers. I use this as a warm-up And as a sound check, and we can tweak our settings, check that the correct Zoom settings for for music lessons have been um, selected, and then we can dive into a productive lesson. I want to remind everybody that taking the time to help your students set up properly, although annoying... That's the nicest word I can come up with it. Frustrating, exhausting. It's, it's very important. And that setup is something that you will have to do over and over and over before it becomes a routine for them. So patience, kindness, sense of humor. Um, now, one of the things I love to do is a warm-up stretches. And my favorite one right now for my little ones, for my little students, and for my vocal class, my small group vocal class is five adorable little girls. They are eight, nine, and 10. I love them. They are, they're all good friends. They all support each other. And uh, we have a lot of fun. So a lot of these activities that I'm giving you work both for your private students and for small group classes. And for choral directors and listening, you could probably use these in your group uh, choral Zooms as well. So the first stretch that I love to do is I get them to draw a treble clef in the air. And we start off with a very small treble clef and we use our finger and we draw the shape of the treble clef and then we make it a little bit bigger because we use the whole hand so now we're using the whole hand to draw the treble clef then we use the whole arm to draw the treble clef then we might use two arms to draw the treble clef and make it really big and dramatic so they're twisting and turning and then of course we we go on to a uh, full body floor to above your head treble clef as big as you can make it 
And then for fun, I asked them to do it in reverse. So they go the opposite way with both hands. Now you can have a lot of fun with stretches. You can play music on your side. Um, I noticed that my students were low energy. So I played uh, Farrell Williams' Happy. Um, and we did our, we drew our treble clefs and we kind of moved and bopped to the music. That was a lot of fun. Um, so again, any kind of movement that makes them smile gets them up. The other thing that I love, here's my evil hidden agenda. I always find that when my students log in, their noses are practically pressed against their screens and trying to get them to back up so that they have space sometimes can be challenging. So by doing these big whole body stretches, they have to kind of establish more space around the computer or the phone or the iPad that they are zooming on. So it's also helpful to just get them to back away from the screen. Um, Anyhow, now, the other thing that I like to do with any kind of stretch, but I have done this with the treble clef stretch, is vocal explorations with the stretch. So having them take a nice relaxed breath and then sing a note while they're doing the stretch. Or if the stretch goes up, we sing higher. And if the stretch goes down, we can sing lower. And that is a wonderful way to get the breath energy, to get some movement, to get into um, both high and low registers. And of course, if you get giggles and if you get little wiggly people that really need to move, awesome. Awesome. Lifting their energy is going to help you through the rest of your lessons. Now, uh, the other thing that I love, if you're using Zoom, of course, you have this fantastic whiteboard. I am a Zoom ninja, Zoom whiteboard ninja. I can annotate like nobody's business. And I'm going to share some of my annotation uh, tips. But uh, one of the things that I love and one of the things that my students love are vocal roller coasters. Now, I have talked about these a lot on the podcast. I've shared Facebook lives about these vocal exploration where you are not really um, uh, focusing on exact pitches, but just going through the range are so powerful. They're so effective. And full disclosure, I do them with my adults. I do them with my grumpy grump teenagers. I truly believe that many vocalists have never been given the opportunity, the inspiration, or the safe space to explore and play with their voices. And I think it's so powerful. And if again, if you've got low energy students, so good. It totally, totally gets them moving. It gets the breath going. So very simply, a vocal roller coaster. I will use the Zoom whiteboard. I will annotate. I will ask the kids, which color should I use today? And then I will draw a curvy line that either ascends or descends, or maybe it goes in loop-de-loops. It really doesn't matter. And then I ask my students 
to sing it. They can sing it to a vowel, to a sound. They can do lip trills, tongue trills to these amazing vocal lines. Now, on a foundational level, this is an introduction to music reading. We are we are introducing the concept of low on the page being a lower pitch and higher on the page being a higher pitch. It is fun, fantastic, and your students, I've never had a student not enjoy the vocal roller coasters. Now, one of the things that I've been doing to keep my students engaged is allowing them to annotate. And by the way, the kids love this. Like, they love this. If you have a student that's feeling really down, I always do this with, and I do this with my students that are very shy and my, my little introverts, I will say to them, okay, you are now the teacher and you may boss me around. And then I always tell them, please don't be a mean teacher and make me do something seriously difficult. And of course they smile because they're evil and their faces light up. So encouraging your students to use the annotate feature and then they can draw a vocal expression line and then you sing it for them being as dramatic as you possibly can be demonstrating range and whatever you want of dynamics, breathing, whatever you want to demonstrate. So fun. Now, <laughs> one of the things that I did last night with my small group class, I gave everybody an opportunity to be the teacher and everybody took turns drawing their own vocal expression line and then some, they, somebody volunteered someone or the kids volunteered to sing each line. Now, they were all pretty excited after that. So just for a moment, I said, okay, on the count of three and for 30 seconds, everybody can annotate on the whiteboard. <laughs> and they went pretty crazy. It was like, it was scribbles and stamps and fun little shapes and stuff. And they were joyous. So Sometimes you can have these little bursts of energy and have some crazy fun. It goes a long way. So now, for the record, we have established annotating rules. You are not allowed to write on my screen unless you are asked to do so. Uh, if you if you break that rule, you have to sing the tonic sofa scale all by yourself with hand signs for the group. <laughs> Horrible punishment. Anyhow, so vocal roller coasters using whiteboard amazing. Now, there are a lot of free resources on our website. And on our free resource page, you do not have to sign up for anything. You do not have to give me your email. You can just download and have fun. Any of our free resources or any of our digital resources are wonderful to use the annotate feature. So if you are taking advantage of our single song downloads, you can then screen share the score. You can ask students questions about the score. You can do a seek and find activity with musical elements on the score. That's a wonderful activity if voices need to uh, rest. Um, but that any kind of digital resource that you can share the screen and then circle, highlight, put stamps. If I'm using um, any of the sight reading materials or if we're using anything from Sight Singing Superhero, I use the little stamps. So if the singer sings it correctly, I give them a star or a heart or a check mark. 
that goes a long way, keeping them engaged. Now, I also love, 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 um, and this is how I've modified. So we had um, we had the songbird warm-up game, and I also had a jar of tongue twisters. So I used to, in the lesson in face-to-face, I would hold out the jar, and I would ask my students to reach in and dig out their tongue twister or their songbird warm-up game activity. Now, whether you are teaching online or whether you are teaching in person, you do not want anybody reaching into your jar and touching anything. So what I now do is I have the jar on my end, I dig in, and the student has to tell me when to stop. I grab the tongue twister or whatever I need, and if I'm online, I simply hold it up to the camera. Again, it's a tongue twisters are fantastic exercises. We talk about, oh, we talk about uh, the articulators. We work on diction. We have some fun. We have some laughs. So, um, using the jar or having the students still have the element of being able to kind of choose their own singing adventure is very helpful. And it does work well in the online lessons. Now, for those of you who are struggling with online lessons where you cannot play the piano for your students, and I know many of us have been dealing with this since March and we've found lovely ways to figure it out. If you're still struggling, I want to share. So first of all, Uh, teaching songs by rote, so by ear, call and response. Um, I call it be, uh, there's, we're going to play a game of be my echo. Now, a couple of strategies. When you are doing be my echo on an online call, one, you're going to slow down. You're going to do shorter phrases and you're going to do them a little bit slower. I also recommend that you repeat it maybe two or three times before you have the student sing it back to you. And don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because this is taking you longer than if they were in the room with you and you would be playing notes for them and singing with them Uh, in a lesson, um, I think many of us, and I put my hand up here, many of us have discovered that we have been spoon feeding our students, we have been over supporting our students, and now they are kind of catching up on a lot of their active listening, uh, and ear training skills and their musicianship skills. And this is fantastic. So with learning new music, I like to screen share the score if I have a digital copy. I like that I like my students to have their own copy of the score. So um, I'm I do uh, either porch drop of little uh, folders of music, or in some cases I'm mailing some of the music. I will on occasion ask families to print up a piece of music. I don't like to burden them with a lot of printing. I think that's a surefire way to really upset people. (laughs) So uh, now I am fortunate. My students pretty much live in a walking distance from my home for the most part. So I like my students to have their score. I screen share. We take little tiny fragments. I sing them. I might play it on the piano. 
I don't play and sing the piano. Uh, I don't play and sing the piano. I don't play the piano and sing at the same time. Sometimes that doesn't come through. Now, again, um, we're hoping when we get kind of started with clean feed that that will not be an issue anymore. But regardless, my students are doing well. This is an important foundational skill. Um, active listening is not does not come naturally to a lot of young singers. Actually, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of my adults either. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. And um, go slow. Go slow. Lots of repetition. Now, for some of the songs, I have recorded me singing the melodies and I've sent it to the families and I've asked the kids to sing along with me as they follow their score. That has been helpful. And again, we're not learning music as quickly as we once were, but my students' music skills and reading skills and active listening skills are really something. I'm so proud of them and they are doing so well. Now, um, uh, the other thing that I love in um, online lessons is um, I will do, and I've shared this before, a chord identification game. And this is also a movement game. So uh, they have to have a chair. And again, this helps them to get into their space. Um, they have to get into a chair. And if I play a major chord, they have to stand up. If I play a minor chord, they have to sit down. If I play a diminished chord, that's scary. They have to gently, remind them to do it gently, they get excited, to put their hands over their eyes. And then you can add on, you can have some, a lot of fun with this. So when we do, when I do a dominant seventh chord, I make them do jazz hands because they're jazzy. Uh, what do I do for a Oh, augmented. I make them put their hands over their ears. And sometimes what I'll do, because my kids have been playing this game forever, and we used to do it in-person lessons as well. They're getting pretty good at this. So now I have a mystery chord, you know, and a mystery chord could really be anything that they've never heard before. Um, I've done chordal chords before. Those are pretty cool. And, and very dis like distinctive. Uh, I've done like, um, dim dim no, not diminished seven. What have I done? Um, uh, cl uh, cluster chords. <laughs> where I just basically slam the piano. I call that the mystery chord. And then they have to shrug their shoulders. Like, I don't know what that is. So you can have a lot of fun. It's an ear training game. And it's also a way to keep them uh, um, moving. Now, what I like to do the ear training game. So if we've been sitting for a while or if we need kind of like a little brain break, a little movement break, that's a great little activity that I can throw in when the kids are um, getting a little fidgety. So wonderful way. Now, I hope that these are helpful for you. And I hope that you get the opportunity to try some of these exercises, some of these um, activities in your lessons, whether they're online or in person. And I want to encourage you to, um, to check out, um, there's a blog, actually we have several blogs on our website that share 
specific lesson plans using different strategies. And I guarantee there's probably something there that you can just, you can steal and have fun with your students today. Now, if you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it is Freebie Friday. And my delightful friend and colleague, Donna Rodenizer, who we are so, so blessed Donna and Red Castle Publishing, her publishing company, they have partnered with us. And Donna's music is now part of our single song downloads. But Donna also offers wonderful um, little warm-up songs. And I asked Donna if she could write some mm, winter weather, holiday-themed warm-up songs. So today on our on our website... Uh, in the free resources page, you will see a new warm-up study. It's called Hot Chocolate. And Hot Chocolate is a really cute little melody. It's got some jazzy chords. It comes with a backing track. Our backing tracks have melody guides. Now, we did this to help teachers like me who are teaching online because sometimes practicing at home with backing tracks can be a little... Um, frustrating for our young students if they're not 100% secure with the melody. So the backing tracks are really helpful. I hope that you will check that out. It is a free download. You can screen share it. You can annotate. And of course, you can send your students the backing tracks so they can have fun in your lessons and successful online practicing. No, not online practicing, successful home practicing. There you go. Please check out these strategies and our blogs. I'm going to put links in the show notes for more fun online strategies. Our wonderful friend, Dr. Heather Nelson, is returning to the podcast to share more insight on the anatomy of the vocal instrument. Today, we're discussing the thyroid arytenoid muscles. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Heather Nelson. How are you today? I'm doing very well today. Thank you. I'm so glad that you uh, are with us. Uh, we, uh, You've been sharing some fantastic mini lessons. What are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about the thyroarytenoid muscle or the TA. Nice. Oh, I love how we have to shorten them. <laughs> You can get your tongue tripped up over some of those words, so it's just right. a little easier, right? Uh, okay, well, let's get started. So, the TA muscles what what's what's important? Can we start with the can we start with like the structure how they're made? Yeah, absolutely. So let's orient first. Um, the TA muscles are what we generally call the vocal folds or the vocal cords, and they are the main source of sound. Um, in in the voice. And so they sit horizontally um, right on top of, uh, of the windpipe or a little bit above it. And so if you if you make your fingers into like a peace sign or a V and then lay it lay it down so that the point of the V is facing forward and your finger fingernails are towards your neck, that's how the vocal folds orient in your larynx apex of it that attaches to the back side of the thyroid cartilage 
It's the biggest cartilage in your larynx. And then the two ends where your fingernails are in our little hand model, those attach to the arytenoid cartilages in the back. Those um, where they attach, that's where the vocal folds open and close. The apex is pretty much fixed. It does not open. And so the vocal folds are either closed and in a straight line or any sort of um, uh, variation of opening and where they're in a V shape. And so when we're breathing, the vocal folds are open in that nice, glorious V. And so air moves up and down through the vocal folds. When we sing, speak, cough, swallow, anything like that, the vocal folds come together. And um, when you cough, they kind of come together and bang together a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then when you mm -hmm. sing or speak, they come together in a vibratory pattern. The air moves up through them and they vibrate together. And so that's where they are. They are very small for um, adult men, biological men. They tend to be about, you could lay them across, say, a nickel. And for biological females, you can lay them across a dime. That's about how big they are. So if you consider how like loud people can be, <laughs> it's really quite amazing considering how teeny tiny those muscles really, really are. Now, as far as the structure of them, this, this is one of my favorite parts of, of studying the anatomy is that you really get into the intricacies of it and see how just wonderfully it works. Even as small as the, the, the TAs are, they are quite complex. They are uh, made of five different layers that, um, that uh, both cushion the muscle and protect it and allow us to do some really incredible things with our voices. So let's start interior and move outward. The very, very interior part of the TA is the vocalis or the, the vocal ligament. And it is the kind of, it's the strongest part of the TA. I, uh, I've taught it before, almost like the, the vocal rebar. <laughs> it's um, a string of, of muscle and it is the, the strongest structure in, in there. It also needs to be quite protected. And so the next three layers are, um, are made of different amounts of extracellular material, which is just kind of anatomical gobbledygook that's in there and, <laughs> and fluid. There's a whole lot of stuff that's in there. It's different kinds of things. And that can change, actually. What's in there can change because you can get things like... Um, um, uh, kind of those healing molecules that when a muscle gets uh, used, we have these astrocytes that move in and help to repair the muscle. And so that can be in that extracellular material and wow. um, some other things. And so um, the deepest layer around the vocalis is mostly extracellular material and a little bit of fluid. And then the intermediate layer is about half and half-ish. And then the mm -hmm. outside layer is mostly fluid and a little bit of the extracellular material. So it, you can think of it almost like a layer cake. You've got your, um, <laughs> like your, your cake and then your frosting and then your whipped cream on top. <laughs> oh my gosh. The very outside layer is the epithelium and it is um, very much just like the epithelium on your skin. It's the outside layer. That's just kind of what, 
what the name means. And it's very thin. It's only about five or six cells thick. And so um, it's almost like your, your layer cake. You put a, a layer of plastic wrap on top of it. <laughs> you know, it protects it, gives it a, uh, can give it shape, uh, keeps all that fluid, you know, kind of where it needs to be. But it is also a huge shock absorber. And so as Ooh. the vocal folds impact with, with each other, the epithelium takes the brunt of that impact and then the energy kind of fans out through the through the fluid and then through the extracellular material and then through to the vocalis. And so um, it's quite an amazing system that can really take a pretty big beating and mm-hmm. but be protected. Um, and so uh, the voices. Um, we're able to do a whole lot of things like sing really loud, sing really soft, sing a lot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And if you think about how many times your vocal folds will impact in the course of, say, singing a recital or a concert, um, sometimes in the course of a day, a heavy voice user might have upwards of two million impacts on their vocal folds. Wow. For them to come together in that many times is pretty incredible that our um the the way that it is set up the way that that um those layers are set up it's really a protected uh system it's really fascinating oh that's so interesting and i have to congratulate you the cake analogy is by far (laughs) the best way that anyone has explained to me the the (laughs) the the ta muscles i i think that's brilliant and i am 100% stealing that when i explain them to my students that was brilliant with the with the saran wrap on top yeah brilliant well, i love i love voices and i love cake let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> perfect now how how do the ta uh, muscles function in, in is as far as um, the sound quality that we get with our voices. We've talked before about the CT muscle, how it can contract and and lengthen the TAs. And so um, depending on where you are in your range, the muscles can be either pretty thick down low in your range and make a lot of contact along the, um, the medial edge, um, that that inner edge, or they can be rather thin uh, if you're singing up high in your range, and they um, uh, and when they touch, they are vibrating on a very small edge. Um, we can sometimes get a sense of what that feels like when we're singing. We just kind of can feel like, man, we, we've got a nice, good, thick edge on our vocal mm-hmm. folds as opposed to a thinner edge. Um, and sometimes different styles require different things. Um, And so the way that they function is there's still some question as to how the air moves around in the resonance chambers and everything. But basically, the air comes up through the lungs. And then when the muscles come together, and those arytenoid um, cartilages are are together, the, the um, TAs are, are vibrating along, along their edges. The air is moving up through the, um, the vocal folds and, um, little puffs of air come out through, through the vocal folds. Um, they vibrate at, if you remember back to like your freshman science days when we studied sound waves and Hertz, um, 
for instance, A440, that's the tuning note for orchestras. There are 440 uh, sound waves per second in that note. And our vocal folds vibrate at the same rate. So if you are singing that A440, they are vibrating at 440 times per second. It's, it's so amazing, that isn't always, it? That always blows my students' minds. Like when, I, when I'm working with, with my adults and I always tell them that there's always a a pause in the lesson as they process that information. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. So for, um, I don't really have this note anymore cause I don't need it, but like when you're singing the super C, you know, that two octaves right? above middle C, my vocal folds would be vibrating over a thousand times per second singing that note. And Crazy. so, um, it's just, it's absolutely incredible how it works. Um, and so there are, there are various things that uh, in that process that we can do sometimes to, to cause um, a little bit of harm to our voices too. You know, if we are singing too hard, um, if we have too much air pressure, if we have too little air pressure and the muscles have to compensate, that's when things can go a little wonky. Sometimes we, we start to worry about, you know, things like nodes and polyps and all that stuff. Um, you know, that, that's a topic for another time. But when we're talking about over overdone or, or pressed phonation that's really at the TA level that we're we're talking about in a lot of respects. Uh, I want to thank you so much for sharing these little tidbits of wonderful anatomy, vocal anatomy. It's such it's so good to just whether it's a review or whether this is new information, this is so helpful. Thank you so much. I'm going to put links on our show notes and on our podcast page. So if anybody wants to check out uh, Dr. Heather Nelson's socials, she shares great videos with great visuals. Her blog is amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest again on the podcast. It was my pleasure. The National Association of Teachers of Singing and the community surrounding NATS has sprung into action to provide a comprehensive list of resources to help our singing community. NATS knows that the fatigue is real with this ongoing pandemic. They have launched an online campaign called hashtag fight the fatigue to address the challenges and to support safe singing. Now, although it is exciting to hear about the latest news and developments in vaccines, we must stay vigilant with good hygiene, wearing our masks, and taking stock of our own mental health on a regular and frequent basis. Visit nats.org for a detailed list of helpful information, webinars, Facebook groups, research, and more. And use the hashtag fight the fatigue to support your friends and colleagues in our industry. Stay strong. Masks on. Our good friend, colleague, and business maven, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, returns to the podcast for part four of our mini-series about starting your teaching business. Today, we are talking about business planning. 
Welcome back to the Full Voice Podcast. Our amazing, wonderfully talented, beautiful soul, helpful person, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. Hello! Nikki, I have to tell you something. Sure. <laughs> I am going to get someone to pull all of your introductions of me. Well, you just asked my husband. <laughs> I'm going to ask Sean, can you pull all of her introductions of me and put them in a in a one file so that whenever I'm having a bad day and I forget that I'm doing the right thing and that this is my jam <laughs> and that I am still a valuable human in the business coaching world, I'm going to play that because you always say the kindest, most generous things to me. And I'm just grateful for that. Well, so Sean, get on. Okay, I'll let him know. <laughs> I'm I'm grateful for you. We have when did we meet? Three, four years ago? Three years ago. The Three more, years oh my ago. gosh, almost four. Okay. Almost four, almost four years ago. Uh Michelle uh commented and on a post, I think. I think you you asked a question or something on a post and, mm. and and then you said, Do you wanna, you know, can we zoom? Can we talk? I'd like to know more about you. And I was like, who is this woman and why do I want to talk to her? She's going to sell me lip gloss. <laughs> well, no, no. And then, but I, I have to say it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a chance meeting and I'm, I'm so grateful. It, everything has changed for me. So for those of you out there thinking that, oh, you know, snip, you, snip. uh, working with a business coach is scary. It is. <laughs> It's Especially terrifying. <laughs> it's it's like we had so Michelle and I had a, a had a meeting on Friday and it was really great and challenging and my brain was like thinking a million things and then I had to go binge watch Big Bang Theory to just kind of recover. <laughs> oh no. No, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's well, good. I think I think with any, let's be real, with any kind of coaching, um, because I do draw in elements of mindset coaching and kind of the work that I've done with, you know, counseling and, you know, I have other tools in my toolkit other than business coaching in order to get you to your business coaching goals. So, but I think with any kind of coaching that you are saying, I know that I want shifts and I know that I need change. If you are not experiencing shifts or change, that's a good time to say, is this really working out for me? And that that's nobody's fault. Like it's not necessarily the coach's fault or your fault. It's just, you know, whatever mindset or whatever time you're in, you know? So mm -hmm. while you're saying it, it's hard, it is hard, but it's this relationship, right? It's mm -hmm. linking arms toward a common goal for someone's business and, a good business coach or a good life coach or any kind of coach understands that coaching is not consulting, mm. right? Sure. Not always telling you what to do while I can offer ideas and I can say, hey, here's some things that I've learned and, you know, I can do some consulting. My primary role as a coach, which you are excellent at engaging in, is opening doors and lifting up rocks and poking in there and saying, well, what about this? And what are you, you know, guiding you to your own intuition mm -hmm. 
with information to back up some of the decisions you're making, reminding you of yourself. And then, you know, whatever you literally don't know, which is kind of like what we're going to talk about today, like literal things you don't know, you can say, oh, what is this literal thing I don't know? And then I usually have an answer for that or I say, I don't know. I'll Google that for you. Right. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, so I just, I wanted to share with the listeners. So one of the reasons that when Michelle and I kind of connected, one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to dig deeper with you. And I want to, I want someone to help me is, uh, and Sean might remember this. My husband might remember this conversation. So we have a mutual friend, a local, well, he was local. He was a local musician who was also teaching piano and, uh, like everybody else in the area, you know, he was doing this, that and everything, but, uh, he got really serious about his business and he joined a, uh, mastermind and yeah. he started working with a business coach and within, it wasn't even a year, he, the transformation, like he basically picked up, he, he moved to where he wanted to live. He started teaching online. He was, he was building this amazing life. And of course your first response is always like, Oh, it's just luck or whatever. But, but we were like, <laughs> no, he's working it and he's doing scary things. And we had the opportunity to talk to him and he talked about working with his coach and all the, the scary things he had to do. And, and it was shortly after he, we had we had talked to him that you kind of you know the universe just kind of opens doors and you're like hey yeah. and that's and it was shortly after we had talked to our friend that you came onto the picture and I said to Sean I said you know I would like to invest in a coach and I would I really like this Michelle person and I think she gets it because she's in our industry and so I have to say. Um, yeah, I, I, that that was that that was the motivation for me. I I had I knew somebody that had made that investment, and was seeing profound change and and growth in what they wanted to do, and that they were crafting a business that they were that they wanted. I love that. So I love that story. You know, it's so. <laughs> I gotta tell you, Nikki, it's so interesting to me how so many small business owners, not even just in our field, but in a lot of fields, they they think that you can DIY yourself to success. Oh. <laughs> and the thing is, is like on, on some level you can, you know, mm-hmm. but at a certain point, you're going to hit a wall where you you do not know what to do. And yeah, you can read a ton of books and you can download a bunch of self-guided courses and you can go through all of those self-guided learning experiences. But until you have another set of ears and another set of eyes and another perspective on what you're doing and then challenging you and keeping you accountable, Mm -hmm. I feel like a coach is like having rocket fuel. I agree. And I say that, I believe, I mean, it's in my marketing. Every coach needs a coach. Every teacher needs a teacher. Mm. That's why I have a business coach. It's why I pay a lot of money, five figures for masterminds, not Mm -hmm. only so that I'm better at what I do for others, Mm -hmm. but so that I can be spurned and I can get second eyes and I can get perspective because that's rocket fuel. Yeah. Can I share one more thing? Oh, I would love it. Okay. I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you? No, no. I just, 
You made me think of something, just what you said. You always make me think things, and I want to share this with the listeners. And Michelle, you know a little bit of the behind the scenes, and I won't drag this out. But I, I, I know that um, I shared this on the podcast. So last October, my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. And the last year, the last year we've been helping my mom um, you know, with her selling. So we had to sell the house and, and, or she had to sell the house. And also my family business, my parents had a, a mm. t- 36 years and one of the most heartbreaking things. And I hope nobody has to go through this because it was so, so upsetting is, you know, when my parents started that business 36 years ago, they were, they were groundbreaking. They were changing the world. They were, you know, um, it was a global inspired, environmentally friendly, mm. progressive business. And and mm. at one point, people from all over the world would actually fly to come and see their dry cleaning plant because it was the first environmentally friendly one, la, 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 la. But yeah. what happened over the last, I would say, probably 10 years is that... Um, they got stuck in the weeds. Mm. They weren't embracing new things. Um, they were out of date. And, you know, business is hard. And I, I wish that my parents had sought help. I wish that they had, they had, you know, kept up with being progressive and challenged themselves. I mean, we're talking like, you know, my dad wanted nothing to do with being on Facebook, you know, like the yo, yeah. businesses don't need to be on Facebook. It's like, uh, you might want to recheck that information, but they got stuck. They got stuck in the weeds and, you know, uh, you would think if you invested 36 of your li- 36 years of your life in a business you know at the end you would have something and i'm just going to say they didn't have much I'm and sorry yeah well I, again i am I'm, I'm sorry too but i'm it's also a fantastic life lesson you know it really is if you're stuck in a business you do not love or you are working and it's not serving you change get the help you need get the help you need Ask, yeah. talk to people, branch it's out. It's interesting. I love that. It's interesting, Nikki, because I, I know, you know, you read a lot and you see a lot on burnout. Ugh, yes. You know, and burnout is so, so, so real. And I know that having a coach who insists upon me taking care of myself first mm. Upon me seeing things like systeming systems and tools and scheduling and calendaring and planning as an act of self-nurturing. Mm. Um that has been life-changing for me. And it was a skill that I had to learn. I mean, it, you don't wake up. I'm well, I don't know, maybe some of you do, but I sure <laughs> didn't wake up. In, my, in any part of my business, even years and years and years ago, wanting to plan my day. Right. You know, um, that just wasn't something that was interesting to me for my personality type. Mm. Wanting to think a year ahead, yeah. wanting to do quarterly planning. Like, you know, <laughs> I guide these quarterly planning sessions and every time I do it, I'm like, I hate doing this. 
And yet I love the results right. and I love, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I feel like I just, I know we're totally off topic. We're supposed to be talking about like revenue and income, but I want to pull back the curtain a little bit on, mm. on business ownership, because I think people look at people who they perceive as successful air quotes, finger air quotes, and they're like, oh, they've got it all together. And it's so easy for them. And da, 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 da. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like the only difference between me and another person is that I continually say yes to shit I don't want to do. I'm sorry, I just swore. That's good. It deserved this <laughs> But like I continually just discipline myself for knowing that if if I allow myself and my brain to change to do what I need to do around planning, around understanding my numbers, around having goals, and I put myself in that fear position, the, the, the return on investment for that is something that I want, mm. you know? And it's like everybody wants the view, but nobody wants to climb the mountain. <laughs> yes. Including me, but... <laughs> We so, climb them, you know, we climb the mountain. I, We're going to have to like, <laughs> totally, I, you're going to take this whole thing out. No, no, I think totally this is well. important. I want to tell you about the quarterly planning. So I use the Daily Greatness Business Planner. And every quarter, mm -hmm. there's like a whole section in the planner that makes you go through it. And, you know, I'll be flipping through my planner and I'll get to one of those pages and I'll be like, oh, no, ew, gosh, I got to, I don't, is it really the quarter is over? And then I'm, I'm sad. But I agree with you. Once I go through the, the questions and I start looking at things, it really does. It's like, oh, these are the things I need to focus on. You know, I'm going to put this on the back burner. This is what I'm going to focus on. And man, that makes a difference. And also, it also, for me, because I, I get distracted with shiny things, it's very helpful for, yeah, I can put this on hold right now. I don't have to yes. do all the things right now. Because you won't anyway. Exactly. I think that's been the biggest aha for me with quarterly planning because I use best I use best self in combination with my whiteboards and then a quarterly planning um, worksheet that I've come up with, and um, and then quarterly planning tools that I've gotten from my business coach as well. And um, I will say that the biggest aha for me when I first started doing it was like, oh, wow, if I just focus on three things tops and then I allow, you know, you write out everything that you want to get done. And, and the way I do it is like, you write down everything you want to get done in that quarter. And it's usually like 25 million gazillion things, right? Yes. Because you have, <laughs> you're, you're creative, you have ideas. It's true. There's exciting things. You're like, oh, strike while the iron is hot because you see what's <laughs> happening in the market. Like, like you get all sorts of ideas. And um, when you do your yearly plan and you have that yearly plan kind of as your mirror, and then you look at that yearly plan and then you break it down into quarters, you're like, whoa, what are the, which one of these things, like you said, are shiny objects and which one of these things are really going to move the needle toward what I said I was committed to. Hmm. And I think planning... Planning is about committing to yourself. What commitments are you making to yourself? Because
because that you're the one who has to execute the plan. So it's really a deal with your innards. Oh, nice. And um, I think that freedom of like, I don't have to get everything. Oh, no, I have so many things to do. It's like, no, you got 13 weeks, 12, 13 weeks where you can bust out one, two, three. You can do it with sanity. You can do it with internal gentleness. You can do it with intention. And then, you know what? The world keeps turning. And in quarter two or quarter three, whatever the next quarter is, you're probably going to have 25,000 more things. And then the things that you wrote down in quarter one, some of them are still going to be relevant. Mm -hmm. Some of them are going to be like, oh, that was such a pipe. You know, that was just such a fleeting fancy. (laughs) And it's not going to happen anyway. But because you chose the things that were most important to you and, you know, as you get better at it, you see which things become, you know, you learn, oh, I went after a shiny object. That was kind of silly of me. Mm -hmm. And then other times you learn like, okay, you know, you get to know the things that you get to intuit, which things are actually things you should focus on and which things are shiny objects. But that takes time. It's like I said, it's a skill. Mm -hmm. It's not like you should magically know how to plan your life. Well, and if we, if we go back to the previous segment where we were talking about offers if you're looking if you're looking at your quarterlies you can see if the offers you have created are actually worth your time whether they need to be improved upon or whether they need to be scrapped like that I think that's really helpful and and you'll find that you'll start to really find that offer that serves you better than the others it's so true like perfect example of this would be um, like, I know your studio operates on like a school year and then a summer. Mm -hmm. So studios that operate on school year and summer, when you're doing yearly planning, if I already know in 2021 that I'm going to offer a summer program, like I've made my year plan and I'm looking at my giant calendar and I see, okay, then I can backwards engineer and be like, oh, okay, that means I need to open the cart, meaning I need to start selling that. I need to open the cart for that five months. Oh, yeah. Because I know in this industry, people start selling summer camp and summer programs in like February or March. I'm the worst mom ever. I missed all the summer signups for the good camps because they open in February. Yeah, and people buy them. And it's funny... It's like clothes, right? People were like, why is there Christmas at Costco at the beginning of October? I was like, because people buy Christmas at Costco at the beginning of October. Like, that's why they sell it then. Because, you know, or clothes, like they're selling fall clothes in spring or like mm-hmm. the beginning of summer or whatever. And, um, you know, here it's 90 degrees and it's October 20th. So whatever. But, but you know, it's like the, the reason why is because people, people do kind of have this internal thing that they plan anyway. Mm-hmm. So that would be a great example. Uh, you know, you want to offer a workshop, you know, you want to offer a series of workshops, you want to do some sort of winter celebration or winter saying, you want to do some sort of like, you know, I don't know, uh, spring solstice, you know, celebration, (laughs) (laughs) you know, whatever you want to do. That's why, you know, that's why it kind of all, you know, how at the very beginning of all this, we said it all goes together, right? Like your ideal client goes with your offers, goes with your money, goes, it all goes together. And, you know, Ultimately, you're not going to get any of that done unless you plan. (laughs) So there it is. I love it. Should we talk about money? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe, maybe make that one like a bonus episode. Like if you want to keep listening. <laughs> I love it. Okay. You know what? This was a, I'm, this is a great conversation and I'm, I'm glad that we had it. It went where it needed to go. And I think, uh, I think there's a lot of great value in it. So can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Because we planned what we were going to talk about, mm. we felt comfortable enough to veer from the plan and then do you see what we just did? We literally oh. went off plan, but because we knew the plan, we could make a decisive. We literally, so anyone who's listening, we did literally, we did not, we did not plan this conversation. No, so, not. but what I love about it is that because we both had a plan around what we were going to podcast, mm-hmm. we be decisive and continue to go with what, what the flow was, continue to do what we felt was like, this is obviously what we want to talk about in this moment. And then just now, as Nikki did, we just decided, let's just cut this one off. Let's just make it about planning. And then let's go back to the money podcast. And that I think right there, talk about life lessons, that right there, you just witnessed the joy of planning. (laughs) You know, you just, you were just literally involved in what happens when you plan and how it actually gives you freedom to veer from that plan in order to do what you feel is going to serve your listeners best, serve your people best. Love it. I love it. Well, Michelle, as always, thank you for these wonderful conversations. I know that you have made a huge impact in my life and with so many other uh, teachers and business owners. And uh, I look forward to planning our next conversation and then also not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Have a great day. A very special thank you to our returning guests, Dr. Heather Nelson, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. Please visit nats.org for all the latest COVID 19 resources. And please visit our website for fun educational kid and teacher tested resources and don't forget to sign up to our newsletter we share fun new resources and freebies each and every month as always i am wishing you inspired teaching please keep safe and happy singing Made by Canoe Music Productions.